Welcome. Uh, we're here a year ago. Is it a year ago? I think. Uh, and we did the men's prayer thing. And this year it went so good. Somehow the Lord laid it on Pastor Pat's heart to let the women come. We had an excellent crew here today. Men and ladies. And uh, it's a privilege to be here. I'm really glad that, uh, that my wife is going to be speaking. And don't let anybody kid you. She preaches to me. She preaches to me all the time. So she'll, uh, but I'm going to tell you something. She takes this as seriously as I do. She prays. She studies. She, she wants to have God speak, you know. And so they'll get a blessing. I'm confident. I'm not so sure about us. But uh, take your Bible, go to Ezekiel 22. What we got going for us is, is the Bible. So the Bible's always right. The Bible's always good. And if we can just not mess it up, amen, we can get something from the Lord. Ezekiel 22 this morning. And a familiar verse, I'm sure, for many. And verse 30. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. And uh, it's, this is what it says. It says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Now to me, that's one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. We understand we're in the last days. We understand we're in a minority. Amen. Thank God that a few of us have purposed in our heart that we're going to stand uh, in the gap for the glory of Jesus Christ. And uh, but what a sad, what a sad commentary that it is at this point in Jewish history that uh, there wasn't one. That uh, that bothers me. I don't want that. Uh, I don't want that to be said of our generation, of our time. Amen. I, I don't want that to be said of me. Uh, I wasn't afraid to let people know what I cared about before I became a Christian. And by the God, grace of God, and I'm not going to sit there and say I couldn't or wouldn't, or, but I don't want to. I don't ever want to get out. I don't ever want to go get distracted by something else. And uh, you ought to feel the same way. Wherever you are in your Christian life, you may be new. You may have been at it a while. Some of you have been at it a lot longer than me. Uh, but uh, you taking a stand encourages others. And uh, so uh, I want to talk to you this morning on this. Well, it's a men's meeting, right? Well, let's pray and I'll go on. Father, thank you once again uh, for men that are willing to come and assemble and gather around the Word of God on a Saturday morning and a beautiful summer day. And Father, I pray that you'd meet with us. I pray you continue to meet with us because the Spirit's already good. Pray you let me say something to you, help and a blessing. Pray and ask God that you'd uh, uh, let my wife say something, be a blessing over there. And I'm confident that you will because I know that's her desire. I know that's your desire and the ladies that are assembled there. I know for the most part, they want to hear from you too. That's a winning combination. Father God, I pray that you just be pleased with all that's said and done in this place. 
And uh, may it glorify Jesus Christ and be a help and blessing to your people. And I pray it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, now, let me give you a, a little bit of history here. On March 20th, 1970, I'm sorry, March 20th, 1779, Captain William Jones advertised in the New York Times for a few good men. Anybody want to venture a guess what he was a captain in? Let me ask like this. We got any Marines in here? We got any Marines in here this morning? I know we got some veterans. Captain William Smith was a, a captain in the United States Marine Corps. And he put an ad in, the, and this is the infancy of the Corps, the infancy of our country. And he advertised in the New York Times for a few good men. So when you see those posters uh, out there on the interstate, uh, that's where it came from. Uh, I mean, like, that's about 240, almost 250 years ago. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure that that's probably the last thing the New York Times printed that was fit to read. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I got thinking about that and some verses I'm going to give you. And I uh, thought to myself, what if? Now, the Bible said there in Ezekiel 22, he sought for a man. So God's looking too. And I, and I wonder today if God could put out uh, 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 the ad that wouldn't be through the New York Times. Uh, uh, for If he was looking for a few good men, would you qualify? Would you be able to say, here am I? Amen. Like Isaiah did, like, like Ananias did. Amen. Now you might say, yes, I'm pretty good. Well, well hold on a minute. Uh, uh, we're going to get a Bible definition of a good man, and then we'll ask the question again. All right? So take your Bible, first of all, to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And look with me, I believe it's verse 23. And the Bible says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's first qualification. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. Who is it that's ordering your steps today? Who's on the throne of your life? It says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. That's uh, two. Uh, those are two opposites. Either you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart. I'm not saying I trusted Jesus to be my Savior. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then if you're not doing that, then somewhere along the way, your own understanding, your own idea, your own experience, your own opinions are coming into play. And buddy, your flesh is going to throw them out there as fast as it can. And we got to fight that thing in order to uh, be uh, to qualify as a good man, uh, to qualify as our step be in order of the Lord. The next verse says in Proverbs three, it says in come on all in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Does that mean that if you're like, you know, you're going to him for the big question, but pretty much the rest of the time you got it handled. Does that mean he's not obligated to uh, direct your, any of your path? I don't know, but the concept's scary. I remember when I directed my path. I don't ever want to go back to that. 
Amen. More on that in a minute. Take your Bible, go to Acts chapter 9. We're talking about uh, qualifications for a good man. Now, Bible qualifications. I mean, I've got opinions, you got opinions, everybody's got opinions. And some are good, and some are stupid. <laughs> Yours and mine. Amen. You don't realize it at the time, but, you know, as you mature, you think, what was I thinking? <laughs> That's happened to me a lot. In Acts chapter 9, now you've got a familiar passage to many of you. You've got the conversion of the uh, chief persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ. And uh, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he goes by the name of Saul. And he's fired up, man, and he's zealous. And, uh, and the Lord appears to him. In uh, Acts chapter 9, while he's on his way to Damascus, I mean, he got busy in Jerusalem, and now he's branching out. He's like going into (laughs) anti-evangelism. He wants to travel and do uh, somebody's work, but it ain't the Lord's work, even though he thinks it is. And he's on his way to Damascus with letters from the chief priest to round up believers, and the Lord said, that's enough of that, my words. Verse 6, it says this, Acts chapter 9, verse 6, And he trembling, now this is Saul, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? (laughs) And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Amen. He was trembling and astonished, and within seconds of meeting the Lord, he asked the Lord something that sometimes it takes uh, new believers, years, even decades to ask, Lord, what would you have me to do? Amen. Uh, so Paul asked, Saul at the time asked that, and, uh, and the Lord, why did, listen, he's having a conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Amen. And he asked the Lord a question. And the Lord said, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thou, told thee what thou must do. I'm thinking, why didn't the Lord just tell him right then? And I'll tell you why. He was setting a precedent for the future. I mean, I got saved. If you're saved, wherever you were, uh, the Lord wasn't speaking to you personally, not like this, not in an audible voice. And he set a precedent for how it was going to be from that time on. And God's chosen men, he's chosen preachers, he's chosen churches. And uh, so he lays out the groundwork right now and he sends Saul into the city To see this guy right here, look at verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. I mean, he does. He woke him up. Uh, And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And like when the Lord woke Samuel up as a child in the middle of the night. And Samuel's, he didn't know who it was. He knew there was a voice. Ananias recognized the Lord's voice. He just came out of it. He said, I am here. You know, it's one thing to, to become familiar with God's word, and we're all for that. But I'll tell you what, if we ever get to the point where we recognize his voice, well, we've taken a step in the right direction. Uh, it's one thing to quote scripture, read scripture, preach scripture, but, you know, you men, you work out there in the nasty now and now. You, it, it's a good thing to get some of that in your heart. It's a good thing to be sensitive to the still, small What? Voice of God. Amen. Uh, You don't always have your Bible with you, right? You don't always have your phone app with you. I'm still so, I'm I'm like, you know, Stone Age when it comes to all the apps and everything. (laughs) Amen. So I just still have to like 
memorize verses. But uh, it's a good thing. Ananias says, I am here, Lord. No hesitation. Verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight. I wonder what they do with that these days. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Ever behold, he prayeth. Yeah, I bet he is, man. He's blind. And, and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Ananias is a faithful disciple in a time when the church of Jesus Christ was in its infancy and being persecuted. And uh, Saul was a famous persecutor and he wasn't the only one. But Ananias, uh, somewhere uh, across that line, took a stand, and he's a disciple, and the Lord knows that he can count on him, and he calls him, and he sends him uh, to, to, to this guy to deliver, I mean, a message that is of paramount importance, especially to you and I, because he gets his commission to be the apostle to the Gentiles. It says this in verse... Uh, Verse 15, uh, nope, not verse 15. Where, where, where am I looking? Let me go, let me go look at it again. And, uh, well, Lord, verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath, he hath done to thy saints uh, at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Uh, Ananias has been called on. And I guess I didn't write it down, so I'm going to get it and read it to you. The verse, his commission, Acts chapter 9, verse, verse 15, yeah. Uh, but the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. There's his commission. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Amen. And that's pretty important. But what you've got is Ananias, what you notice, and we've got this. I've tried to promote him as a good, faithful uh, a disciple amongst, in a time of persecution, chosen by the Lord, recognize the Lord's voice, all that good stuff. But what I want you to see, and I already read the verse, I'm going to read it again. And uh, uh, he said in verse 15, but, but Lord. And you know what Ananias starts doing? He starts reminding God Maybe a detail he thought maybe the Lord forgot. Like, this is Saul of Tarsus. You want me to go to this guy? Wait a minute, Lord, this guy, he's killing Christians. You ever do that? You ever remind, try to remind God? I mean, we want to help God out, don't we? We want to remind God of maybe some details that we're afraid that he forgot. When we get a leading, a direction, maybe the, the Spirit of God bears witness to something in preaching and the first thing comes out of your flesh is just like, and I, but, but when I got, uh, I was, let me see, I was uh, on my way to go to, to prison in 1991. I went to a rescue mission in Columbus, Ohio to see a friend there. The guy that ran the mission was a former bike guy and drug addict and, and convict, and me and him paid it off. I can't imagine why. And, uh, and I went there a couple of weeks before my sentencing to say goodbye. I pled guilty. I'm going to prison for seven years. 
I'm taking Bible Institute classes because I had to do something, or you know, that kept me out of the wrong places. And uh, I had a little message on the Lord's return. And I went there, I said, Brother Jimmy, his name was Jimmy Hood. I said, Brother, uh, I got a little message. I came over to say goodbye, and it's a Saturday, and our, our Bible Institute would fill the pulpit on Saturdays with preacher boys. And I wasn't a preacher boy or anything, but I just wanted to go say goodbye. And, and I said, I got a little message. You want me to give it? He said, yeah, give it. And, uh, and I preached that night for the first time on, uh, on the subject, Are You Ready?, and I had a little outline, and basically it was, are you, are you ready for the Lord to come back? Are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet God? Nothing detailed, and, uh, but I'll tell you something, God did something that night. And uh, I, I, he didn't appear to me like this, but uh, that's the night God called me to preach. And it was as real to me that night as it was that jail cell a year before when I got saved. And I couldn't articulate it, but I knew something happened. I mean, I drove home 65 miles back to Dayton, Ohio. And, uh, and uh, it felt like God was in the front seat with me. I mean, I didn't look in the rearview mirror. I didn't just, I mean, I'm like, whoa, what is going on here? And when I got back to, uh, back to Ohio, I called my pastor. First thing I said, preacher, I think God just called me to preach. I'm getting ready to go to prison for seven years. He said, well, David, you know, that, that's okay. We'll send you cassette tape for the next seven years. You can learn the Bible. I said, oh, thanks. Thanks. It was good because, you know, I was resigned to going to prison. That was not a big problem. I, I had more friends in, behind bars than some of you got out here. And uh, I wasn't worried about that. I wasn't a kid. I wasn't young. I wasn't nervous. And, uh, and, uh, but, it was, you know, it was just going to be a big waste of time. And that's what sin will do at best. It will just be a big waste of time. And that's the least it will do. But, uh, but uh, I was good for about a week, and I'm getting with close to my sentencing. I'm thinking, man, I'm excited. I'm going to learn a Bible. I got a, you know, captive audience behind bars, you know. And uh, then all of a sudden, I woke up one morning, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I said, Spurgeon, who are you trying to kid? Who, who are you trying to kid? You ain't going to be no preacher. By the grace of God that I'm even saved. My qualification for that is the same as yours. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. We're pre-qualified for that. But for service, I thought, Lord, I don't know what I was thinking, Lord. And I sure appreciate you letting me preach that night, but let's face it. I'm talking to God like, like Ananias did. Let's face it. You and me both know I can't be no preacher. And he didn't say nothing for, to me. And the next couple of days, uh, I was, you know, mulling that over. And now I'm, you know, more fearful about going to prison again. And, uh, and one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Mark chapter 5. We call it uh, the, the, the account of the maniac Gadara. I like the guy. He was a, uh, you know, convict, crazy guy. I would probably would hit it right off of him. <laughs> and... Uh, but in Mark chapter 5, you can look at it if you want. In verse 19, verse 18, it said, And when he was coming to the ship, that's the Lord, he that had been possessed with the devil, that was me and you. You hear me? Amen. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He was ready to go. He didn't, uh, he wasn't ready. He wasn't saying, okay, now that I'm saved, I'm going back to the old life. He didn't want to go back to the old life. Amen. You're not supposed to want to go back to the old life. 
Amen. Even if the old life is a good life and an honorable life and a decent life, the new life, boy, I'll tell you what, you enter that into the mix and it'll be better. Some of us, the old life was terrible and that makes us long for something better. That was my case. That was the maniac's case. In verse 19, 19, it says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but says unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. He didn't send him to Bible school. He said, Just go tell others. Go home to thy friends. He had a home. He had friends, evidently, at some point earlier in his life. He didn't have too many when we find him living in a graveyard. According to Matthew chapter 8, he did have a friend. The Bible says the way of transgressors, plural, is hard. It's hard, but it's not lonely. If you want to do wrong, there'll be plenty that'll go with you. But it won't be a good life. It'll be a hard life. And the Lord told him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done me. Can you do that? Have you ever done that? You know, people say, well, I don't know how to witness. Can you tell somebody what happened to you? Are you saved? Do you understand that Jesus Christ went to the cross to make a way for your sins to be forgiven? And then one day you put your faith and trust in what he did on the cross. The Bible said he died for our sins according to the scripture and was buried and rose again the third day. The Bible said the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. If you're saved, you had to get a hold of something. And that's all you really need to be able to tell somebody else their biggest need. You don't have to be able to quote 15 verses and rightly divide. Amen. And all that's good and all that comes. But I'm going to tell you what, you can hit the ground running as a child of God if you really got it. I wonder how a person, if they can't tell somebody what I just said, if they can't tell somebody what the Lord did when he saved them, how can they be saved themselves? How can a person not understand they are a sinner? By the way, if you're in here today and you're not, sin- you're not saved, you're a sinner. So you're qualified. That's good news. That's not bad. I'm not being ugly with you. And Jesus Christ died for sins. If you're a sinner, oh, that's not good. Yeah, well, he died for our sin. He did what nobody else uh, could do or would be willing to do if they could. My brother Pat brought it out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I preached in prisons. I said, all right, now, which one of you guys? I'm talking to saved guys that are witnessing the fellow convicts that are coming to church service every, every Saturday. And I'm saying, all right, you guys doing good, you know, yes, and trying to win people and glad you're saved and not making excuses for your past. I said, all right, which one of you? How many got kids? Guys got kids. I said, which one of you would give one of your kids so that one of these guys that you're witnessing to could get forgiveness. Got the same answer your pastor gave you. Not one. <clears throat> if I had that in, in, in a church somewhere, some phony, fake, pious, might say, yes, I would, you're a liar. <laughs> Them convicts are more honest than some people I know. They'd say, hey, sorry about your luck. Sorry, I'm not giving one of my, but God did, didn't he? Amen. All right, so we're talking about uh, Ananias here, and we're talking about my call to preach. And verse 20 there in Mark chapter 5, the Bible says, and he departed, and that was the, the maniac. 
and began to publish in the capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him. Are you kidding me? This guy did exactly what the Lord said. He didn't Google another opinion. He didn't watch a YouTube video. Amen. What a thing if we would just do exactly what the Lord said to do. I wonder if that'd still work. I got news for you. It does still work. And so he began to publish, uh, and I guess he wrote his own track too. I don't know. But he began to publish in the Kabbalists how great things Jesus had done for him. And look at the last words in that verse, last five words. And all men did marvel. God used the maniac to get there. And I'm reading this like a couple days after reminding God that thanks, God. But, uh, you know, me and you both know I can, and uh, I'm reading that, and it was like a light shining on them words. It goes, if I can use him, why can't I use you? That's that simple to me. I'm not real bright. You know, I'm not trying to figure things out. I don't know any Greek or Hebrew. Amen. I just say, oh, okay, well, that's what the Bible says. And, uh, and uh, amen. But like I say, Ananias wasn't the first one to remind God maybe some detail he forgot. I tried it. Maybe you've tried it. Let me tell you something. God doesn't need to be reminded. God knows all the details. When God lays something on your heart, makes it real clear. Amen. And the best thing you can do is just say, yes, Lord. And he'll bless that. So the reason I'm bringing all that up about Ananias, we're talking about a few good men, is this right here. Ananias was called on to, to, to deliver this most important commission but he was nervous. He was worried about it. His flesh is, is, is bringing in all the possible negatives. Just like us. Right. I look at this thing and Ananias as a hero of the faith. But I just want to remind you of something. He's just flesh and blood like you and me. He wasn't no Superman. Amen. He was just a regular guy with doubts and fears and questions. And that's okay. Sometimes we get the idea that some of these uh, uh, characters that we, we have no even shot at being anything like, that they're, no, from Moses to David all the way through the Bible, they were just regular people. The thing they had gone for them is the same thing you have gone for you if you're saved, and that's God. Amen. So uh, uh, I, I present to you, number one, that Ananias was a good man. We're talking about a few good men. Was a good man uh, because he let the Lord order his steps in spite of fears and apprehensions. Not that he didn't have them. And that's, uh, amen. A good man, let me see, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So we're talking about a few good men. So how about that? Just based on number one. Uh, does that make you a good man? Is the Lord directing your steps? Or maybe you should take and maybe consider, wow, I do this, 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 and this. But am I acknowledging God in all my ways? Am I letting God in on the major decisions of my life? Now you got a brain and you got some experience and the Lord expects you to use those things. But how much better should any and every decision you make, how much better would it be if you'd first acknowledge God? You know, as good as some of your ideas might be, there's a thing with God about timing. And I've had great ideas. I thought they were great ideas. And then it didn't come to pass, didn't come to fruition. And I thought, huh, I would have thought. And then it happened sometimes a year later, sometimes five years later. And it wasn't a bad idea. But God, not like us, we're very limited. And he's not. 
So the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Take your Bible, go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. And a familiar passage, verse 14. And the Bible says this, Proverbs 14, 14, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Let's stop right there. Uh, You know what? The last thing I want is to be filled with my own ways again. Now, I I got saved in a jail cell at 37 years old. And uh, my own ways had directed me uh, down a dark path. Uh, that I was uh, able to uh, survive because I was young and uh, I can't imagine at 70 years old with three full replacement joints, amen, I couldn't imagine trying to maintain that pace anymore. Last thing David Spurgeon ever wants to do is to be filled with his own ways. I don't want to go back to that. And uh, maybe, maybe you're not like I was. I hope you're not. But uh, on your best day, his ways are still better. Amen. Amen. It says in uh, just two verses up from this, it says, uh, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The book says in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. When a man gets filled with his own ways, now we got a flesh that we're, that's fighting, lusting against the spirit, and spirit's supposed to be lusting back. And we don't bat a thousand all the time. Amen. And sometimes the flesh wins, and it does. And the Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up again, and things like that. But that thing says filled. And when a man gets filled, that means uh, the flesh is running the show, and you're not getting the thing right. And uh, again, you start making all the decisions based on your stinking ego. And when a man gets filled with his own ways, it said in the verse 12, uh, uh, the end there over the ways of death. When a man gets filled with his own ways, this ain't rocket science. This ain't deep. Things die. That's all there is. First thing that goes for a Christian is his peace. I didn't know what peace was when I was lost. I came out of a life of strife, and I didn't know anybody, never met anybody with peace until I met the Prince of Peace. And uh, I didn't even recognize it at first, but what a valuable commodity that is. And it's worth fighting for. And when something comes between you and God, amen, something, some sin, some behavior disrupts that peace of God that should be ruling your heart. Man, you want to want to find out, ask God what that is. If you don't know, chances are you do. And get that thing confessed and get that peace restored. Okay, man, you don't want to be without it any longer than necessary. And again, I'm not talking about some sinless perfection. That day is coming. But it's on the other side of a trumpet. Amen. Keep short accounts with God. Man gets filled with his own ways. Things die. Peace dies. Joy dies. Joy of the Lord is your strength. I know a lot of Christians, I don't doubt they're saved. They got a King James Bible. Oh, they love Jesus. 
They don't have the spiritual strength to do anything. Some of them can't even make it to church every service. Amen. What kind of Christian life is that? Amen. That's just coexisting. I want. That's why I like this crowd. I want to be around people that are excited about God and busy for God and trying to win people to God and invite people to hear the word of God and to go on mission trips to support me. That's what I need. Listen, I was pretty active when I was lost and I, God knew right where to put me now. And I'm glad. Amen. Tell you what dies when you get filled with your own ways. Your testimony as a child of God dies. There, therefore, your ability to point other, anybody to Jesus Christ is dead. Because it's all about you. That's why I hate social media. Now, there might be some social media sites where all people do is brag on Jesus Christ. They probably don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, 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 I, don't, I don't know what, traffic maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say, but I, here's what I do know about it. Almost everything I know about it's all about me. This is what I think. This is what I do. This is what I like. Me, 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 me. It makes me want to puke. That's why I don't have nothing to do with it. I do, I do really, my favorite thing about social media is the look that I get on people's faces, mainly ladies, but not always, when I preach against it from the pulpit. Boy, it just, everybody's just smiling, and then you say that, and it's like, <gasps> you know, you got to find a sacred cow to kick once in a while. Yeah, amen. That's what, uh, I'm an evangelist. My job is to afflict the comfortable. Amen. I'll tell you what, it's a sad troop marriages die. Man gets filled with his own ways. I'll tell you what, for a married to have a chance in this day and age, I perceive this might be true of any day and age. Jesus Christ has got to be part of the equation. Absolutely, the most important part. And when people get filled with their own ways and uh, nothing but strife and hate and discontent, the Bible says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Uh, the only way you're going to do that is through Jesus Christ. Your flesh ain't going to roll over on its own. We ain't wired that way. Now, we live in a day and age where, uh, you know, the men are getting a little, I don't even want to venture into the, some of the things that are just came to my mind. But, uh, amen. We need to be men. Amen. But, uh, amen. Jesus Christ still has to be the head of the family. And families die and friendships die and things like that die. Why? Now, Jesus Christ never fails. Amen. Never his fault. Amen. I got a dear friend, dear friend over 20 years. And, uh, and uh, so me and him, we started on the same track, trying to live for God, serve God. And, uh, you know, things got in between. I didn't know what. I didn't know why. And uh, I found out why. And he'd been involved in something for years, five years, and I can trace that right back to when our relationship started to change. Amen. He didn't want to be around me as much as he once did. We didn't call. We didn't communicate. We didn't go out to eat. We didn't fellowship when I was home. And I found out why. I, 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 was, I stayed on track and I put him under conviction. I didn't change, but something did in his life. And he got filled with his own ways and doing what he wanted to do. And our friendship's all but gone. Amen. And I, we, I, I mean, I'm forgetting that thing straightened out, but I can't. I can't make him. I don't want to be guilty of that. If we lose something, I, I don't want it to be because of me. I don't want to be filled with my own ways. I remember what that's like. The Bible says a good man, go on the verse in Proverbs 14 and 14. I'll read it again. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. And just let's point out. 
Backsliding starts where? Wow, right there. Right in the heart. Not, not when, oh, they're not here anymore. Well, it started before the seat was vacant. Starts, it, it, it starts, it, yeah, in the seat, not the feet. Starts in the seat when the message isn't getting through anymore. And the call to come and pray and keep a tender heart. I, it, it grieves me that we're losing the altar call in our crowd. I remember in Bible school we talked about people they didn't never give an altar call anymore. And, but we used to 30 years ago. People were sensitive and tender-hearted. And I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm sad about it because I'm seeing the fruit of that leading to, a, to a, a Christianity where people sit and listen and take notes and listen to sermon audio and YouTube. And we've had so much Bible, it ain't getting into our heart anymore. Getting stuck in our head. Amen. Okay, the verse goes on and says, And a good man, now that's what we're looking for here. And a good man shall be satisfied. Help me out. What's that word? From. You know what? I'll tell you what will disqualify you from being a, a, a vessel that God can use is when you get satisfied with yourself. Some of us get some victories, and I, man, some of us had to get a lot of victories. <laughs> And uh, but then we get to the point where they go, all right, I got this now. I'm doing good. Uh, you just disqualified yourself. The Bible says a good man shall be. Uh, 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 let me see. Let me read it again. A good man shall be satisfied from himself, not with you get satisfied with yourself. Here's what will happen. You'll get self-righteous. You start judging other people by what you think. You'll start judging other people by your convictions. God lays something on your heart. I hope he does. I have personal convictions. Holy Spirit gave me because I asked him, what about this and what about that? And, and I go places where it's obvious everybody doesn't have the same conviction about stuff. And that's absolutely okay. I'm pretty sure this is a personal thing with us in Jesus Christ. I have a personal salvation. I have a personal relationship. Are you saved? Did you join a religious club or did you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, if you have a personal relationship, then that'll nurture personal convictions. I don't want religion, religious rules. I want the Lord. I want to be sensitive to the spirit of God. Amen. And I've got some uh, I've got some standards and convictions about something that somebody else may not have because God didn't give them to them. Give them to them. Yeah, give them to them. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. But I know people that think, well, God told me. And if he told me, he should have told you. And what's wrong with you? And that's what nurtures self-righteousness. And that's what turns people off from religion. Amen. I'll amen myself, remember? Better amen. Okay. All right. So, uh, amen. Now, listen. uh, Newsflash. You're not the standard. Uh, You want to be a good man? You want to qualify for the call that I'm talking about today? Uh, John... Now I forget the guy's name. You can tell him an army guy. Marine guys have to have that tattooed on them. Well, William Jones, Captain Jones, was, uh, was looking for a few good men. What if the Lord is looking for a few good men? Would you qualify? I'll tell you what happens. You get satisfied with yourself instead of from. You'll quit striving for the masteries. That's what happens when you get satisfied. You'll get, you'll get satisfied with good enough. This is good enough. I do this and this and this. Somebody else can do that. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm good enough. You know, the, 
okay. It says there in First uh, Corinthians nine, Jason was. We were talking about running, and personally, anybody that runs a hundred miles without a dog chasing them, I don't get that. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, I talk about running. A runner trains and sacrifices and runs, and the Bible tells us that they which run in a race run all in. And the the correlation is that as children of God, we should give. We should give the Lord as much dedication and willingness to sacrifice as a as a, a competitor in a worldly event. And uh, you ever get satisfied with good enough, you'll quit running all. And you might be ahead of the pack, but you're not going to be where you could be Amen. for the glory of Jesus Christ. And you're going to blink and somebody's going to blow by you. You hear me? Yeah, we heard it. We just don't know what you meant. Sometimes I don't know what I mean. But I know this. We're supposed to give our best to Jesus Christ. And uh, good enough is the absolute enemy of best. And we don't ever. I preached it the other night. We don't ever arrive. Amen. Amen. And uh, so uh, we're talking. Let me see. Now, I don't know what time I'm supposed to be done. My wife said, what time are we supposed to be done? What time do, do we have to leave? I said, when we get done. Period. This is the most important thing in my life right now is this right here. Absolutely. And uh, so I still don't know a time, and that didn't answer my question, and I couldn't tell her if it did. But uh, I know this. We're talking about a few good men, and number one, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, that's Bible. So you just, you know, you answer the question yourself. There's not going to be a quiz. You'd be too tempted to lie. But between you and God, is the Lord ordering your steps? The Bible says a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Amen. We all know the right answer. But would it be true? (laughs) All right, last of all, and uh, go to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Now we're talking about a good man. In Acts chapter 11 and verse uh, 22. And it says this. Acts chapter 11 verse 22. Then tidings of of these things came under the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. Now these things was a uh, great movement of God in Antioch. And the... the, uh, uh, crowd down there, the new believers down there in Jerusalem was skeptical because after all, there's a bunch of Gentiles and this thing's all brand new. And uh, the word got to them and they sent somebody they could trust. The verse goes on and says, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. And they sent somebody that had proven himself. And we saw that over in Acts chapter six. And, uh, and, uh, and they sent him up there, check it out. And uh, it said then, verse 23, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, do you realize that means he recognized the grace of God? Amen. Amen. Uh, listen, everybody can talk. That's why you got to be so careful of internet heretics. Some of them are slick, boy. Amen. Amen. And I pick up on names traveling around churches, the guys and families that get under the influence of some of these guys. And I've looked a few things up, and I thought, boy, not only is the guy a heretic, that's easy to spot, but I've been amazed at how smooth they were. And if you don't spend some time in your Bible, and you don't spend some time in your own church listening to sound doctrine, 
You're easy prey for false doctrine. So Barnabas went up there and he was able to discern that what was going on was right. Because if it wasn't, he'd have took that report home too. It said he had seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do for each other. With purpose of heart. No agenda, nothing to gain. With purpose of heart that people would draw nigh to God. And not let go. He says in verse 24, for he was a good man. That's what we're talking about. Good man that could recognize the uh, grace of God. A good man that could be trusted to go uh, uh, check out uh, the situation down there. A good man that was glad to see God moving and, and, and not critical. And Well, they didn't do everything just the way I would. Shut up. Boy, there's one thing I know in all 50 states, uh, within the realm of Bible believers, we do a lot of things just a little bit different. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. And, uh, and with purpose of heart, he encouraged people. It said that they were cleaving to the Lord. He was a good man that said this, and uh, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Amen. Barnabas was a good man. He is full of the Holy Ghost. A good man can be used to get people saved. Amen. I know people that never led anybody to the Lord. Never had anything to know. They go to church, they're faithful, but they don't have any, any notches in their belt, if I can say it that way. Amen. Somewhere, I know, we got guys that are super soul winners. I get that. But, I mean, all of us have the ability. All of us have credibility with somebody. Where you work, man, they may never come to church until after they get saved. I never went to church before I got saved. I wasn't a religious guy. Amen. You, wherever you work, whoever you're around, maybe it's even your family or neighbor, you might be the only living witness in their little realm. And you've got to take advantage of that. Well, I invited them to church. Okay. Well, that might not be uh, all it takes sometimes. Amen. All right, so uh, it says he's full of the Holy Ghost. And that's, uh, that's a good thing. It says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, what? No, you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Are you saved here this morning? Amen. That's doctrinally straight to you. Uh, 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 your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Uh, for you are bought with a price, and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. When you get saved, the Holy Ghost moves in. Amen. Amen. And no second work of grace. It, the Holy Ghost moves in when you get saved. Amen. According to Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, if you're looking for evidence of the Holy Ghost, it says they spake the word of God with boldness. They weren't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. That's what it says there. And, uh, but uh, when the Holy Ghost moves in, I, I, he ain't leaving. Amen. Now you can grieve him. Oh, I know that he's, that's happened many times. Uh, and you can quench him, but you can't run him off. Amen. You can drown out the still small voice of God with the volume of junk in your life, let alone sin, but you ain't running him off. Holy Ghost is in there. Now, when you get saved, you're full. But uh, you got to work. It says in verse uh, four, uh, verse 30 of Ephesians 4, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. Let me just say, there's a difference between being 
uh, uh, it said sealed. There's a difference between being sealed and being full. Now, if you're, again, if you're saved, Holy Ghost is in there. You ought to thank God because that's what's going to get you into heaven. But uh, you don't have to be full of the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of things that will keep you from being full of the Holy Ghost. And the main thing is that thing in flesh. I know people, I know people that claim to be saved don't doubt that they are. And truth be known, they're full of everything but the Holy Ghost. Amen. Full of themselves, full of the world, full of the devil, full of strife, full of sin. Amen. Amen. Well, are they really saved? If they really trusted and believed on Jesus Christ, they are. Amen. He made it easy to get saved. He didn't make it hard. Amen. But this Christian life requires some effort on your part. Amen. Amen. I heard a preacher say, uh, uh, no, yeah. Uh, if you don't make a point to walk in the Spirit... It tells us to walk in the spirit. If you don't make a point, you're, you're like a bucket of water in the desert. I go out and preach in Phoenix and Las Vegas. I go in the winter and they tell me it gets 119, 120 degrees in the summer. That's why I go there in the winter. I go to Maine and Minnesota in the summer. I'm an evangelist. That's pretty smart. I can come to New York about any time. This is like directly across from where I live. But... Uh, but uh, they say you take a bucket of water and you fill it to the brim. You set it outside when it's 120 degrees. And, buddy, that water, that water will go down, down, down. It'll evaporate. That's called a dry and thirsty land. And we live in one. Uh, uh, there's a famine in the land for the word of God. I heard a preacher say, you know, we're full of the Holy Ghost. We get saved. You know, that's about the only thing on your mind. And, but the cares of this life uh, poke holes in the bucket. And we leak. <laughs> I know something about leaks in a motorhome. I travel in a motorhome, and we get our water through a garden hose. That's why you don't, why you don't go uh, to Minnesota in the winter. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and uh, I've come back from church on a few occasions, and water's all over under my coach, and something's springing a leak, and something. Hopefully it's something loose, but uh, sometimes uh, pipe breaks, and they don't like that at campgrounds. And I've gone back, and my water's been turned off, and there's a note on the door, and and instead of taking a nap between services, I'm out there <laughs> trying to find the leak and fix it. And big leaks are easy to fix. They're easy to find. They're, they're noticeable. And then the smaller leaks, and they'll still leave a puddle of water in an hour, but they're a lot harder to find and a lot harder to fix. I mean, I open the door and I get in there with a flashlight and, and something will be leaking and it's a lot harder uh, to, to address. And... Uh, and uh, you got to figure out how to fix them, though, because you'll never be full as long as you're leaking. But I'll tell you what the worst leaks are. The worst, le- the worst leaks are that little drip that you think, well, that, that's not worth fixing. And that right there, I can put up with that. And it's not noticeable enough that, uh, you know, anybody's complaining. And uh, you just decide that you can put up with and you can live with. And I've experienced all these, believe me. <laughs> and uh, let me say this, spiritually speaking, that habit, that attitude, that behavior, that one you're not addressing, that's the one that'll keep you from being filled. It won't keep you from being saved. It won't keep you out of church. It won't keep you from being able to sing some songs or do something for God once in a while. But we're talking about a good man using Barnabas as our example was full of the Holy Ghost. And if you and I are going to be full of the Holy Ghost and walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh... We're going to have to, if there's a leak, we need to address it. And we need to do what we got to do to get it fixed up. Amen. Barnabas is a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, and I'll be done, but I want to say this. The verse said, and of faith. 
Now, so the verse on faith in Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'll give it to you like this in a nutshell. Faith is believing God when it comes to things you can't explain. It's easy, man. It's easy for me to have faith. You know why? Because there's a lot of things I can't understand. I don't even pretend to be able to explain stuff. I had a guy in jail one time. He said, how do you explain the Trinity? How can that even be possible? Father's done, Holy Ghost, are all one. And I looked at him and I said, you know, it never occurred to me to try to explain it. Amen. The Bible says it. I just believe it. That's what faith is. If you can explain everything in that book, wouldn't that mean God's no smarter than you are? Amen. That's scary. I want a God much smarter than you are. Much smarter than I am. Much smarter than any man. Faith is what you need when it comes to things you can't explain. But I'll tell you something else. Faith is trusting God when there's things going on you can't understand. And I've seen Christians go through stuff. And I thought to myself, what in the world, God? Why is that happening to that brother or that sister? And it takes faith to believe Romans 8.28. Don't take faith to quote it, but to believe that all, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm going to tell you what, rough times are what rattles people's faith and sometimes shatters people's faith. But a good man is full of faith and you understand God's on the throne and God knows what's going on. And everything, everything God does is right Amen. every time. Amen. Amen. Edmund Burke, old Irish, uh, that's why I like him, I'm Irish. Edmund Burke is an old Irish philosopher. And it's, uh, he said the only, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Seems like that's never been so true in America. Amen. Amen. I'm sad about that. I'm a vet. I love my country. I'm not deceived. What a train wreck it has become. I'm looking for the Lord to come back. I'm not looking for anybody else to fix it. This is scriptural. It's down spiraling. And I don't believe I got to hate my country like some do. Um, But but, uh, uh, I'll tell you what's worse than... uh, the good men doing nothing in, the, in a country like America. It seems like it's never been so true in the church of Jesus Christ. And I believe God said about that. Amen. We got more resources, more money, more ability to reach the world. And we're to the point where we say, I'm rich and increased with goods and I've needed nothing. And I don't believe the Lord's happy about that. And he's about to bring it to a close, not because we're doing so good but because we're about worthless. All I know is this. There's always been a remnant that refused to go with the flow. I want to be in the remnant. When the Lord uh, does blow that trumpet or I get the end of my life, I don't want it to be said, you know, I did this for you and I gave you this opportunity and you blew it. I don't want that. I wasted 37 years of my life. I don't want to waste this half. All right? So uh, Captain Jones advertised for a few good men. If the Lord did that today, Based on just the three things I gave you today, would you be able to answer? You ought to want to be able to, even if examination would, 
would uh, show you that maybe there's an area where you wouldn't qualify. Well, then, what do you do? I'm not here to skin you for the fun of it. I'm trying to stir you up to address whatever issue in your life, spiritually speaking, might need to be addressed. So let me give it to you again. If the Lord's ordering your steps, you qualify. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're satisfied from yourself instead of with yourself, that's a good start. If you're full of the Holy Ghost and faith, well, that, that seems to have made the list. Amen? Let me tell you something. I, I hope the Lord comes back today. Amen. But as far as I can tell, people have been saying that for a long time. Amen. Now, that don't mean he's not coming. That means he's going to be right on time. Amen. But not on this. We're not supposed to do nothing because we're so sure we need to be busy because if he, if he is going to tarry the next generation, yeah, yeah uh, depends on you and I taking this stuff seriously. And we're supposed to be leaders of our home, it's all that much more important that we get a hold of this thing and set the example we're supposed to set. All right? Are you a good man? Preacher, you come. Now, the one thing I didn't say nothing about, and I'm going to say a lot about it tomorrow, and I hope you come back tomorrow, especially if you're a visitor. But the most important thing, you ain't never going to make the list if you're not saved. We don't take it for granted just because you made it to a prayer breakfast that you're saved, and you might be a nice guy and a good guy. I'm not saying all that. But if you're not saved, I mean scripturally born again. I'm not talking about our terminology. It's Bible words. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Well, I believe. I know this. He did this, 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 this. Wait a minute. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Amen. Thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believeth unto, uh, uh, salva- unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And, and believing in your heart is getting a hold of this thing right here. If everybody else in the world was going to heaven except you, he would have still done what he did. Amen. He would have came down here. He would have let them beat him beyond recognition, he would have allowed them to nail him to a cross. He would have took your sin to hell for one. He got mine. He got a bunch of y'alls. But if you're in here and you're not saved, we would be negligent, not to mention the biggest need a man, woman, boy, or girl has is to know is to get their sins forgiven. And knowing it, man, it opens up a whole new world. Amen. And then you can sign up for this list I've presented to you. Preacher, come.